Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the 428th show of ROI. Our guest for today's show is Mr. Dieter Drake, Director of Operations for RAGBRAI, who is going to talk to us about the RAGBRAI cycling race. History buffs for today's show are Jay Swords and Terry Toppler. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. Our producer and engineer is, as always, Mr. David Baker. Um, to begin with our show, we refer to this segment as History is Local. And we are inviting our guests to the, discuss the show, uh, the event of RAGBRAI, Mr. Dieter Drake. Welcome to the show, Dieter. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, Two questions for you. Number one, can you start off with some basic information and history on what RAGBRAI stands for and what it's about? And number two, who is the individual who picked the 10-grade hill outside Anamosa because I've got a bunch of people that are after him with a vengeance? Uh, you can ask the first question first. Love it. Um, yeah, well, uh, RAGBRAI is the Register's Annual Great Bicycle Ride Across Iowa, of course, and it's been going on since 1973, so this past July was our 48th annual. Of course, in 2020, we didn't have it, and that would have been our 48th. Uh, 2021 was our 48th, and it was founded by two gentlemen um, who worked for the Register newspaper at the time back in the 70s, uh, guys named uh, Don Call and John, <clears throat> John Karras. And uh, those two gentlemen basically decided they wanted to uh, start this bicycle ride to bring some exposure to uh, the Register newspaper and also the state of the great state of Iowa. And from there, it just ballooned up. And 48 years later, we've got 15 or 16,000 riders riding across Iowa every year from all over the all over the world, really. So, um, and I, it's just an honor for me to be a part of it, obviously. So. Um, it's a, uh, it's a great American tradition bicycling. And, um, I was hoping you say that the best team on the trip are the road pirates, but I'm not trying to push my own bunch of people. <laughs> However, uh, there was always kind of a myth and see if you confirm this, that, um, Mr. Karras and Mr. Call, who, by the way, I'd like to say were outstanding writers. Uh, my mm -hmm. folks were diehard, uh, Des Moines register readers and they were top notch. They kind of started off as they were both pretty avid riders themselves. They were very good, um, pretty serious, and they won a lot of distances. But wasn't this kind of – didn't it kind of start off as sort of – I wouldn't say a joke, but like, hey, we're just going to do this ride. And they put an article in the paper, and when they met there, there was a, a surprising amount of number of people there to ride with them. And they had no prep for it whatsoever, and they had to call the register. And the register in the first one was almost, what, like a town or two ahead of them. Is that true or not? That's exactly right. That's exactly how it happened. It was this organic kind of Forrest Gump moment where they're, <laughs> they're out riding. Uh, they decided to put it together, and all of a sudden, a bunch of people showed up. And it, uh, like I mentioned, it just ballooned up from there. And you're right; the register had to stay a day, day ahead of them so they could get the re their, their, so they could file their reports on time. It was uh, it's just this organic grassroots event that, um, again, is their inspiration is, is why we're here today. Uh, and to go with this a little farther. Um it wasn't only just, as you said, it was kind of a shoot-from-the-hips organizational trek, but uh, because it was such a, an ad hoc event, uh, I had heard that the paper subscriptions 
for that week or the sales of paper had gone the papers had gone up um quite surprising that people all across the Iowa got this interest in how this was happening and they couldn't wait to hear from Mr. Carrison call. That's exactly and I've heard the same stories. It was it's the ultimate human interest story, you know, times eight, seven or eight days across the state of Iowa. And that's that's I that was their that was their mission was to to create this buzz uh for the newspaper and obviously but share it with communities not only within Iowa, but outside of Iowa. And it, again, it was a, just an incredible success that they were able to, to put that, that thought together and that, that, um, that storyline for seven or eight days across Iowa. And again, that's, we, we continue with that tradition today. The Register is still obviously a, a partner of ours, and they, they kind of do the same thing still. So, again, the tradition that they started is in, in its basic form is still what we're doing today in 2021. So uh, just a great, great, great inspiration from those two gentlemen. And one more plug on this and then i'll ask you the question about the trek but donald call because i used to read him in college was very clever intelligent writer and he was always great at humor that spoofed himself and his ideas (laughs) and my folks when they were reading this were just roaring in the kitchen table uh do you guys still have any of those clips around or do any of those get published again would that be something like on the 50th anniversary uh, that is that is an excellent idea. I'm going to take your your idea there, and we're going to run with it. That's we again, as you know, John Karras is still around, and Mr. Yes. Call unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. And if you talk to John about some of the old stories, he will he will occupy you for hours on the old stories for Ragbri, even still today at 91 years old. He uh, he'll share some of those stories. So that's a great that's a great idea. We'll we'll kind of we do have an archive of some of that material. And we will uh, we'll start presenting that stuff as we get closer to the 50th anniversary, which you mentioned is coming up in 2023. Uh, Dave, make sure KALA gets a small percentage of cut of that. Um, <laughs> we have that documented. Right. Um, okay, now why don't you give our listeners a quick um, what is the process? And this is a this is like trying to talk about literally about the Great Wall of China. But what is the <laughs> process of trying to get Ragbri? Because you guys start the process like the day it ends, correct? For next year. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, well, before that, so we already we already started in 2022 uh, earlier this year. So the first part of this year, we already started on the 2022 planning. Um, you know, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves because we want to make sure the towns are lined up and things like that. But we've already started with that, and certainly the 50th annual in two years, we're already started with that as well. So it's really a two-year lead time uh, to to kind of put it all together. Again, we have all these state agencies and all the counties and all the local municipalities and town officials we have to work with to make sure that uh, the route is, is safe and, and uh, optimal and uh, that it's going to be an engaging uh, route for our, for, our, uh, for our riders. I mean, at least it's not which we want to make sure that the riders um, are happy with the route. And, um, and, uh, and it's, again, more importantly, it's a safe and successful route. But it's about, a, it's about an 18-month process to kind of put it all together for any given year. Okay, we have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is RRI and KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station. Submit a public service announcement, catch up on news about KALA, and listening to any of our three stations, 885-1061 or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. Hello. 
Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history examines the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the second segment of our show referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Dieter Drake, Director of Operations for RAGBRAI, and we're talking about the RAGBRAI cycling race. Our history bus for today's show is Jay Swords, uh, our Jay Swords and Terry Toppler. Jay, since you did this fantastic trek um, decades ago, why don't you ask the first question? Um, <clears throat> Dieter, I'm curious, as a person who was not in any way an avid cyclist when I uh, did my trip uh, in the very early 80s. What were you um, avid about other ways, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> well, there were a number of things, but cycling was not one of them. Um, I was just curious. My, my memory of it was that you really had a, a wide range of individuals from people who really are uh, very, very much into cycling to folks who just kind of picked it up as a lark a little bit like I did and said, you know, well, this sounds cool. It'd be fun to do this. Um, so my question then is, you know, how much range then are you as a director having to plan for and how do you build um, a, a ride which meets all of those different needs from, from the person who's really looking for something that's challenging to somebody who's just kind of doing this because it sounds like it would be fun and I don't want to die along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, first part, yeah, it's, it's, it's most certainly a ride, and it's open to anybody that owns a bicycle. And the only requirements are that you have to wear a helmet, and it's got to have two wheels and some brakes. And maybe some pedals and a chain in between, but it's it's it is most certainly a ride. And, and again, we're we cater to anybody that owns a bicycle. Again, the the uh, the reach is far and wide. It's 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 um, most people in Iowa, I think, that probably own a bicycle ride Ragbri, and there's no there's no specific requirements. So we'll get we'll get uh, all ranges. We'll get uh, mountain bikes. We'll get road bikes. We'll get uh, tricycles. <laughs> we'll get tandem bikes. We'll get double decker bikes. I saw one of those this year, and it's. Uh, it's uh, just a, it's this, it's really, it's the world's greatest bicycle ride. Let's, let's be honest. And it gets, it is the lower world's largest bicycle ride at the same time. So if you can imagine um, the variety of bicycles that you see out in the road or you see out in the local trails in Iowa, you're going to get all of them at Ragbri. So in terms of putting together a route, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit magic, a little bit art, a little bit science, uh, making, making sure that the route is optimal for all of those folks. Um, this year we had uh, we had some longer days just because we had uh, we had to reroute a, a few a few of the towns early this year before we actually published the route. So um, there were some longer days, so we had to make sure those folks were taken care of that weren't pedaling so fast or got a late start. Um, but really, the goal is, as you know, Ragbri kind of leap, uh, kind of uh, rides across the state and it goes through directly through these pass through towns and overnight towns. And the goal there with the route is to make sure that there are no one town is, is further off than in the distance than, than necessary. So we try to we try to optimize around 10 or 11 miles between stops uh, in those towns. Um, that's not that's not a hard and fast rule. Like I mentioned this year, we had some long, long stretches on a really hot day. So we want to make sure those folks are taken care of. Uh, so they so when we plan the route, it's 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 really about uh, road quality. And making sure anybody that owns a bicycle and has any kind of bicycle is going to be safe on those roads when it, when it comes to traffic and things like that and road conditions themselves. And then also that they're going to be taken care of um, by getting to towns uh, along the route each day so they can get some water and get some refreshments and have some fun. 
um, about every 10 or 12 miles. So that's kind of the overall thinking. Again, it's, it, the goal is to make it as optimal for anybody that owns a bicycle. Terry. Yes, uh, Dieter, I'd read that in 1973, you had about 130 riders that <laughs> rode from Sioux City to Davenport. And then the following okay. year, there were 2,000, and it's been increasing ever since. I understand now that there's a lottery uh, for participants. Can you talk about that? There is, and that typically opens up uh, in November of each year. So this year, for example, it's going to open up on November 15th, and, and it's a lottery. Uh, so that, that uh, and it's been, it's been that way for a long time, uh, where, again, the people that, number of people that want to get in, you know, into RAGRI is, is far exceeds the number of people that we, that we accept. Um, although, uh, you know, we're, we're working through that for 2022. We'll see how that, that might change slightly. But uh, it is a lottery, so people, uh, they apply to get in, and, and by, I think it's April 1st, um, no, no joke, we actually, we actually announce who gets into RAGBRAI this year, and that's, that's been the tradition for a number of years, obviously. Um, could you tell our listeners, I mean, it, to try and talk about RAGBRAI, as I tell people, it's in a lot of ways, uh, and although there are some very serious bicyclists, don't get me wrong, it's Ring, Ringham, Barnum, Bailey, Brothers Circus on two wheels. Um, sure. yeah. uh, the image that I think if you're going to pick the symbol that represents Ragbra, and I've done it for 10 years are the buses mm-hmm. I mean is yeah. there I mean some of them and I must admit we're pretty proud of ours but the art the decor the meanings that go into these buses uh was this like year three or or in in the history and if you can't answer it I understand when did these this craziness come with travel to get there begin I, actually, that's a great question because I learned the, the answer to that question just recently. As you know, uh, Jim Green, Greeny, was a former ride director, unfortunately passed away a year and a half ago, uh, almost two years ago now, um, was a former ride director in the 90s and through, uh, I think, 2005. And um, he was, I guess, you know, RAGBRAI is as much uh, a festival and a, and a time to have fun as, as, as it is a bike ride. So um, some of the, some of that uh Festivities. Some of those festivities um, were getting pretty, um, let's just say, large. Yeah. So he yeah. Was probably, yeah. So his uh, and that's not changed too much. But his his thought there was to kind of increase some of the ride lengths for each day to kind of de-inspire or kind of diminish some of the some of the more fun times that were happening late in night. So people would have to get up early because they had to ride longer that day. Well, the teams were just smart enough to uh, start uh, their own their own tradition in those team buses. And those team buses were there for, you know, their, their friends and their family members to drive support. So those people riding those longer days could be supported a little bit better. And that's really the, the history of, of the buses came around because of, because of that, because of Jim Green wanting to, to, uh, <laughs> to uh, kind of de- de-escalate the parting at night. And, uh, it didn't uh, work. Teams got, teams got smart and they got buses. So that's, that's, where the, that's where the bus tradition came from. Back in the early '90s, maybe late '80s. Yeah. All the best thought out plans. What can one say? Yeah, absolutely. Jay. Right. <laughs> so, so dear, let's talk for a minute about some of those um, evening and extracurricular festivities that go on. Um, yeah. How much of those things are planned or worked out by the towns that the towns are creating? stuff that's going on or or opportunities how much of it is happening spontaneously um and if someone were to go on ragbri what would they what should they expect to see during an evening um when you're 
you know, trying to recuperate from your uh, from however many miles you rode that day. Right. Another great question. Again, as I mentioned, Ragbri is just as much a, a festival and, a, and a, an entertainment event as it is a bike riding event. So each of those overnight towns and, and some of the pass-through towns that we go through during the day, mo- virtually all of that is organized by those volunteers and those, those officials in town. So we support that because we have the, we have the history and the, we kind of know what the, the do's and don'ts are for those towns. And, and uh, our staff members, including me, we go out and meet with those towns. Uh, all throughout the spring to kind of guide them in the right direction as to what entertainment to kind of look look for and what we think might be might be uh, optimal for their size town, for example. But generally speaking, all of those towns organize virtually all of that themselves. And again, uh, those are great benefits, economic benefits for each of those those communities. So that's really honestly that's that's the mission of Ragbri to make sure that those folks do well during the entertainment portion of it. Um, so the nature of that is, is kind of changed a little bit, perhaps. Um, as you know, we, we have some charters and things like that. Charters participate, and they, sometimes they have their own, entertain, own entertainment. But uh, by and large, looking at any of those downtowns that I saw this past July, um, they were uh, full-on concerts with some really great bands. Waterloo, for example, had, had a Prince tribute band, and uh, there were some country bands in, in Sac City, our smallest town this year. So, you know, anywhere from 10,000 to 30,000 people, depending on the weather and, and the year, we could, it's, it's just a great festival and celebration for each of those communities that we pass through each year. I'd like to say that some of those bands, it's almost tradition, um, Hairball, which is a cover band for pretty heavy hard rock, they're almost, sure. they're almost as much as a fixture as the ride itself. Uh, there are Absolutely. people that, there are people that go to the town just to hear them. So, Terry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, Dieter, could you share with us some of those ragbri traditions, such as I'd read about the tire dip, starting with the Missouri River and Century Day? Right, right. Some great traditions. Yeah, and that's just that's two of them. So the tire dip is a uh, tradition that started. Obviously, the ragbri goes from roughly the Missouri River to the Mississippi. Well, unfortunately, not every town that we start in starts right on the on the Missouri. But the tire dipping is what what people do. That, uh, so they'll start in the, at the Missouri River. And they'll dip their tires in there, and then 450 or 500 miles later, they'll dip their tires again in the Mississippi eight days later. So that's the, that's the tradition. As you know, we started in Lamar's, Iowa this year, the ice cream capital of the world, and it's not exactly on the Missouri. So what they, what they did, and a lot of towns do this, uh, they, they bring out pools of uh, what they proclaim is, uh, claim to be Missouri River water. So <laughs> yeah. People, so people will dip their tires, and they were doing that all all that Saturday and Sunday morning uh, in Lamar's Iowa this year. And so they dip their dip their tires in Missouri, the Missouri River water, and then they uh, you know eight days later, seven days later, they dip them in the in the Mississippi. So and you mentioned the the Century Day. So um, each of the days, on average, for Ragbri are between sixty and seventy miles, some shorter, some longer, depending on the year. Um, and a century is is a hundred mile ride in the, in the cycling world. So if you want to get a hundred miles in, and that's kind of a milestone for a lot of people and, a, and an achievement. So we'll add twenty or thirty miles, depending on the the normal route that day to that day. So if people want to do that extra loop, they can actually do hundred miles that day. And actually this year, I think it was closer to one hundred and ten miles on a really hot day. So a lot of we had a lot of people participating in that, and that's a tradition for Ragbri for sure. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, my kids who are now adults. They did yep. a uh, a century. It was 116 miles, 
And oh my God, to see they pulled it off, and it was very impressive. But they were literally melting off their bikes because <laughs> if you do 160 miles, that's what you're going to do. Um, back to what you were talking about with the towns, and this is an experience um, which I, I I truly tip my hat off of. Ragbri is one of the greatest fundraisers for a community sales tax um, that you could ever imagine. The food, the all the product that is spent there. And years ago, it amazes me how these towns, when you pull in, that there's, I'm not trying to be critical, but there's not really a lot there. And we were about four years ago in a town south of Des Moines that it, we were there that night because on the south route, it was one of the smaller places. And it did have a high V and added a DQ and a Taco Bell, but literally nothing else. And there was hardly what you would say, even any paved roads in the town. But that town turned to Des Moines and said, what do you do to make yours great? And they brought it there, and I crashed. But friends of mine said to this day, it was one of the best nights they ever had on Ragbride because you could tell that community went up and beyond to make everybody feel comfortable. And it's amazing how towns that really don't have a lot pull that off. Yeah, that's for sure. And I, I could give you about 20 examples from this year alone uh, of that same dynamic happening. Again, Ragbri, maybe it's the case with the town you're, meant, you're talking about. There's a lot of history with Ragbri across Iowa, and some of these towns have seen it multiple times. So they kind of know what to do, and they, they're just they're, they're, they're creative, and they, they, they have a great network of friends in that region, and they put, they put it together. I'll give you an example, and you, maybe you saw it this year, the town of Linton, Linton Iowa, which, is, which was the first pass-through town after Sac City, our second, yep. our second overnight town. Linton, Iowa... Um, did exactly that. They were probably and very inspirational to me because I I, I, uh, I I just couldn't believe the level of organization for this little town of population 270 people. They put together this a most amazing four-hour stretch. Really, it's a four-hour stretch for any of these pass-through towns to, to reap that economic benefit. Lytton, Iowa had probably 25 or 30 vendors. The first time I've ever done yoga in my life, I did yoga in, uh, actually goat yoga in, in uh, right. Lytton, Iowa yeah. that morning. And they had all sorts of entertainment. They had a stage. They had lots of vendors. They were selling pie. They were selling T-shirts. They were selling even beer that, that time in the morning. And again, that, that, is, the, that is the example that uh, I think a lot of towns uh, have followed that they, you know, if they don't, if they don't have the local resources, they know, they know enough to reach out to their community and say, Hey, we need to put this together because this is our, this is our chance to really, really showcase our community. And then again, like you mentioned, it's an economic benefit for those folks, all the vendors, all the, all the supporters, the town itself, in some cases, they, they do very well. And for example, Linton, Iowa, they raised enough money that day to pay for their fire, their new fire department. Uh, so uh, it's just a great, just a great story. And again, I, I could tell you about, you know, 10 or 15 other towns right. that did exactly that. So it's just a great, again, it's just an honor for me to be a part of that kind of thing. The town I was talking about was Lyon. And what sure. amazed me, I heard that, and I don't know, if you, that they had in sales tax that night made something near a million dollars. Which they had not yeah, made anything in that town for 15 years. So yeah, that was amazing. incredible. Jay? Um, since you've talked about safety being an, an important issue, and I vaguely remember um, you know, this sort of crush of folks rolling along, how do you manage safety for thirty or 40,000 people and buses? Because these are all roads that are actually being used you know, by the by, people who live in those in those areas, how do you ensure that that the that the, the riders are safe? 
Uh, that's a great, great question. Again, we've got some great partners on the on the public safety side. Certainly, the state patrol is our largest partner in terms of being able to put together a safe route um, and kind of uh, cross matching it against highway construction. So the county county engineers and the state DOT great partners as well. And they've been extremely helpful with me this last year or so putting together the 2020-21 route. So um, again, road conditions are so important. We actually do. A, uh, a preview ride with uh, our staff. I actually wrote it, and uh, some uh, some longtime rag ride riders that um, that have been supporting us for years. We do that in early June, so we physically actually go out there and ride the route. And I rode the whole 450 some odd miles this past June, just to kind of see from a rider, a bicycle rider's perspective, what the roads look like, what the what the what the particular traffic patterns are on any in- intersection. How how do we get through the pass through towns? Um, how do we stay off the state highways as much as possible, looking for rumble strips and things like that? So um, it is this, it's, again, there's just a collection of people that provide some really valuable input to me so I can put together a safe route. Again, the State Patrol is really the, the premier one for us. They've just been a great partner and some great people in that organization that have, that have uh, optimized this. They actually, I don't know if you saw that this year, we, we actually started on Highway 3, for example, out of Lamar's, and that's a pretty high-traffic road. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually provided, with the DOT's help, um, some extra signage and some traffic rerouting, so we're not seeing a lot of opposing traffic, for example. And they did that a couple different locations. Um, again, um, it's this giant equation we have to put together and making sure it's optimal. No, no bike ride is, you know, no route is is uh, is is going to be uh, perfect for everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean the local community in terms of being uh, having traffic disrupted. But we do our best to kind of make that that work. And again, with with safety in mind, with all those things that that I just mentioned, it's um, it's uh, it's quite a project actually. And that 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 consumes most of my time between now and when we announce the route in uh, in January and sometimes even after. So it's again, safety is so important for us. I'd like to say a closing note. Um, my daughter is getting married in Seattle next year, the same time Ragbri is. So I asked her, and she's done it. I thought that she and her fiance should get married on Ragbri, and the perfect place is when you cross Highway 35. Uh, Jr. The guy we're speaking about is an ordained minister because he's got the app on his phone. And I said that this would be a fantastic place to get married. And you could honeymoon in either. I mean, if you could pick the right town for the honeymoon to be, you know, Keokuk or Burlington, it would save me a ton of money instead of Seattle. So um, if I, you write a letter and plug this to her, could you do this as a favor and save me about twenty five grand? Sounds good to me. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I'm thinking about I you, honey. I had a wedding this year, and I was happy to be a part of that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Can you give our listeners a why you sit there and think that knowing about RAGBRAI is relevant in today's world? Oh, uh, it's so representative of where we need to be as a, as a society, and I say this from, a, from my personal perspective. Events, getting outside, especially during this pandemic we've had to deal with the last year and a half, two years, it's so important for people to get out and see each other and, and, and celebrate this great state that we have on bicycle. And it's so important. Again, I can't stress that enough that for people to get outside and, and enjoy, the, enjoy the countryside and, and, and get a little exercise and, and have a little fun at night. Let's, let's be honest. It's, it's, it is a lot of fun at night and even during the day. But it's, um, it's again, it's the largest, bicycle, largest multiple, multiple day bicycle ride in the world. And it just so happens that it's in Iowa. And, um, and I've been in the bicycling industry for a long time, and it's like no other event on the planet. It is the celebration of this great landscape that we have 
and and uh, all the communities that kind of link it up. It's it's um, very unique, and I think that's that's really the most important message that I could convey is to get out and participate in events uh, on bicycle. Get on your bicycle. It doesn't have to be anything special. It's uh, it's so important to get outside and see people. And uh, again, Iowa is really the place to do it. As a friend of mine says, it's the one week of the year that the bikers are right. So anyway, we have uh, we'll have uh, come back and wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University, one hundred six point one FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes the 428th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed by Mark Zapsaptel. My name is John Keeley, and we would like to thank our guests, Dieter Drake, Director of Operations for RAGBRAI, who talked to us about the RAGBRAI cycling race. History buffs for today's show were Jay Swords and Terry Toppler. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, KALA. The views expressed in the show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose, University, or KALA. We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Pasutu proverb, Hotsopulanala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers saying hello to the road pirates out there. Arg. Good night. Good night.